Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome back to the Run.Down post game show. I am Sam. I am joined by Schwinn and Jeff. The Knicks complete another thrashing of the Cleveland Cavaliers with a score of it is it is it is it is a constant thrashing of them 109 to 91 you know you know you know it's you know it's a constant thrashing sam is you on the timeline when there's cam reddish uh when 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 there's some cam reddish hate going around that's that's a constant thrashing (laughs) it's like it's like him and tyrese as soon as I see Cam Reddish do one stupid thing. I'm like, all right, these two clowns are going to be just shitting on his wife <laughs> on the timeline. <laughs> it's 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 well deserved, by the way. But before we continue with any more thrashing of Cam Reddish or any other stinky basketball players, um, the last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Ben Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season with MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL and swing bet online is your number one source for for wagering news odds trends and predictions get everything nba at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime head to the bet online app today to get in on the action don't forget to use promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts all right so we will thrash cam reddish later in the show but um nicks win 109 to 91 bringing their season to two and two um in this head in um this home and home series um we have um jalen brunson and julius randall leading the way with 19 points apiece we have emmanuel quickly with 18 points we have rj with 16 and we have hartenstein with 13. Did RJ not score uh, in the second half? I I think he scored maybe once, I want to say. I don't think Because he, he had like he had like 15 and a half. So he scored a free throw. Yeah. Nice. And that's it. But yeah. Um cool. can I don't we know, talk where, about can we, we talk about the, let's talk, let's start with Craig Porter Jr. <laughs> what a fucking game. I mean, phew. I think uh, I think Kobe Altman, Kobe Altman might have found a couple. I don't know what I was like. Are you watching any Bates? He might be the dumbest fucking player I've ever watched play basketball. Like everything he did, I was just like, please do more, please keep doing anything you're doing. This is amazing uh, for me because I want the Knicks to win this game. No, uh, I mean I would just start with like, I don't know if the Knicks will play an easier game all year. I really don't. Like that second half was. I don't think the Knicks played particularly well. I don't think they made good decisions collectively. I don't think their like rebounding was all there for the for a long part oh, of it. The like, I didn't think was the effort terrible. The turnovers were bad per usual. It yeah, seems it's just, like it's gonna yeah, be a trend bad, this year. Bad, yeah, bad, bad decision making, like uh, collectively. I mean, not I'm not trying to even single anybody out collectively. I think um were there some more guilty than others, sure. But like, and even amid that. They basically made one adjustment, which was just don't let Mitchell drive right. That's what they did the entire second half. They just sat there and dared him to go left, and he had nothing. And that was the game. That was it. Like, the game was over as soon as they did that. They scored. What did they have? Like, they had, like, one field goal over a six-minute stretch or something. Um, it was That was a dominant victory, and it was dominant 
and like I think and I understand okay they didn't have Garland they didn't have Jared Allen well guess what you know uh I I was told that you trade for superstars because they can win you games like this and I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is never capable of winning a game like this but when you see how easily the Knicks were able to limit him one I think that tells you something about like what I think really divides him from like the true the true top level of perimeter scorers in the league. Um, and, and also I think it was just severely, I think it just showed like, look, Evan Mobley can be as talented as he is, but he's still super limited offensively. He's got a long development path ahead of him on that end of the floor. Um, and quite honestly, like Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Harnstein, they bullied him again. They picked up right where they left off in April. Uh, he had no chance on the glass. He had no chance defensively i feel like anytime he got a rebound it was just because like mitch had to go over and challenge a shot or something he was, he was by himself. Um, yeah he, he he was he got dominated and um again like the knicks didn't even play well tonight i don't think as a collective unit i don't like i would really struggle to say one person i watched that game and was like what a re- what a complete offensive game you had today i would really struggle to say it about one person um but that didn't matter because the knicks Obviously, they had the talent advantage today, and they took advantage of it. Like, I, I thought they were kind of fucking around in the third quarter, but once you real like, once you realize that as soon as they locked in on defense, the game was over. I mean, that was that. And I think with this Cleveland matchup, I think are we at the point where it's like mental now at this point, where like they just like know mentally, like they just have this advantage over them, and Cleveland kind of knows mentally. Uh, I think the comments from Evan Mobley before the game kind of are telling about um how he's like you know we really want this game and whatnot and like you know you didn't hear anything on the Knicks side because like that they 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 know like this this is these are their sons like they own these guys i think it's more mental with or i think the mentality aspect actually comes into play more for the knicks than the Cavs in the sense of i think the knicks just play feel really comfortable playing them like they just they know that the Cavs can't take away their biggest strengths I will say I thought the Cavs missed a lot of open shots tonight. Like, and I think that goes. I think that goes to Schwinn's point. Like, the Knicks didn't even play that well. Um, I did think the Knicks played like really well for like the like a stretch at the end of the third, and then after Tom Thibodeau called the timeout to start the fourth and got Brunson back in, that like four minute stretch to seal the game, I thought was really have really you dominant. Seen, have you seen the town? Yeah, you know when he's like, "This is the not fucking around crew." Yeah. That's like that's like when he called that timeout, they were up 13. I sent a message in our in the Discord and I was like, I would not be surprised if Brunson comes in right here. And that was like Tibbs like basically taking the timeout and just being like, This is the not fucking around crew. We are going to end this game right here. Um and I honestly I didn't like, love I don't, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I didn't love Brunson's game. Like I, I didn't, didn't like I didn't I like I said, I don't think anybody played well today. I just think he knew that they needed somebody who could just like he just basically was like, let me just get my best shot maker on the floor against their weakest lineup, and I'm going to end this game right here. Um, and and I will say, though, like, I thought today I was really excited because I thought this was the first time that I saw, like, Dante and Quickly actually have a connection on the floor. Like, they had those two uh, sequences right at the end of, or in the beginning of the fourth when Brunson came back in, um, where, like, Dante basically was, like, telling Brunson, like, get your fucking ass in the corner, go, like, keep running. And he and and because of that, the defender goes to him, clear the open space for quickly. He buried two threes. Um, but I thought I have, I, thought a, I, have a, I have a theory about quickly that I'm I'm curious what you guys think. 
I don't think anybody has ever thought about him this way, but I feel like he's kind of become an inside out player from a rhythm standpoint. Like, like if he comes out and he's just shooting a bunch of threes earlier, I feel like he's a lot more inconsistent and volatile, but if he gets established inside the arc, I feel like he works from inside to the out and his comfort level shooting threes becomes a lot more reliable. I, I and think it's wild really, seeing how like he came into the league and like yeah he exactly was the complete opposite well, I would say the cool thing yep. too today was he hit two mid range jumpers um, and that definitely seems to be like a focus for him that not just not just taking floaters in mid range like in that in the mid range area but actually taking like mid range jumpers I think he's taken I think he's made one in every game this season so far um, multiple in a couple of them so like. Sounds very minor, but um, that's something where it's like his mid-range numbers are really good last year. But if you, I think Ace Zulo, he uh, he put out a, he did like a video on this earlier in the year, maybe before the season started. And he just talked about how like, yeah, his mid-range numbers look good. But if you actually just like watch all the mid-range shots he takes, a lot of them are floaters. Um, he His actual percentage on proper mid-range jump shots was not good. So to kind of see him take more of those and actually hit on them at a pretty decent level, I think is a good sign. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I just thought that lineup to start, I, I, I at least one thing I really appreciated with that. So it was Brunson, uh, IQ, DiVincenzo, Hart, and then Hartenstein. We have bitched so often. And I felt this way during the first half too, about like Tibbs being weird with size when he doesn't need to be against the opponent you're playing. And that was a lineup where he, I think he's finally just like, fuck it. I'm putting in these four guys and Hartenstein can just be big and fucking, german and stuff um and and for for all the all the shit we're probably not all the shit like nobody deserves to get shit on tonight but i mean josh hart didn't play a good game again and i think he's had a bad start to the season but to your point schwinn the reason tibbs was felt comfortable doing that is because hart and to a slightly lesser degree quickly fought their asses off on the defensive glass they got in there and they battled yeah and i think tibbs thought Okay, like maybe these two, there there are other areas where these two are lacking, but I can trust them on the defensive glass right now. It's yeah, the FIBA that, legs for Hart. And I think he knew like the only way Cleveland's gonna win this game is sneaking possessions in and like getting hot from three. Um, and they just basically ended that in the fourth quarter. There was none of that shit as soon as those guys came in. Uh, I think even as even though I didn't love Brunson's decision making throughout, I did think he put together a solid like Stretches. two, three minute stretch right there when we needed him to. Um, and that that's that was the game. I mean, it was it was what it is. Like it, it is, you're not. This is not a game. I promise you, this is not a game. That at the end of the year, however the season is, we're not. This is not going to be one of the wins. You're like, man, I just want to go back and watch relive that moment again. Because uh, as satisfying as it was to beat the shit out of them, it was just like, I, I mean, let's be honest. Like we've seen this before. I've seen us do this to this exact opponent before. Um, and I tweeted out after the game. I was like, "It's getting kind of boring beating these guys' heads in a little bit now. Like, can they like put up a little bit better of a fight?" Like, <laughs> I agree. Make I us sweat a, a little bit. <laughs> this is a more important question here from Jelly Slims. <laughs> Why is him in the auntie bun? Cause I'm about question. to go to sleep after this. I'm about to go to sleep. Jelly, Jelly just doesn't know what it's like to just win big parlays every single night. You can wear whatever you want. You know, you can just. This is this is the life. <laughs> um yeah i look i think this is this is like i this is from kurt it's time to start a dialogue with mobley like i I actually thought his defense is still like he still does stuff on defense so i'm like wow it's very impressive but even within that i think 
whatever physical gains he's made, I, I would you guys say I, I think it's pretty fair to say that he and it's okay he's a third year player, but like he's still really far off physically, I think. Yeah, I think people do need to slow down. I think there's like this it's not even just with him, it's like with a lot of young players, there's like this urge to like fast forward or fast track their their timeline and like try to project them sooner um than where they actually are. Um and I think, you know, it's fine if players take some time to actually develop, whether that be physically or or skill-wise. And for someone like Mobley, it seems to be more um physical because like he just looks totally outmatched versus mitch and hartenstein especially <laughs> hartenstein tonight hartenstein really did a really good job i think just like For bothering sure. he, him he, he was great this is another uh feather in schwinn's cap because he talked about this with two different teams um was it last offseason schwinn when the edward when the gobert trade happened it was last summer yeah and oh, God, schwinn yeah. mentioned schwinn and the mitchell trade happened that summer and schwinn talked about how like he liked he he understood the trade from Mitchell from the Cavs perspective like they have this they're a little bit further along than the Knicks were and he got it but he did say that for both the Timberwolves and the Cavs they were artificially expediting their young core's timeline and if he, he said he was like if I was a T-Wolves or a Cavs fan I would be a little bit bummed because garland and mobley and edwards now aren't allowed to develop naturally and have their warts and it's now all about what they can do what what they can do at the highest level and that's a little bit unfair to evan mobley and his trajectory because you're you're kind of hurting his trajectory yeah and and i think the the example people always give with this stuff is like well like look at the spurs with Kawhi, and i'm like i don't think that's even remotely the same thing because they basically understood, like, Kawhi Leonard came in and they developed him from, like, okay, they were like, you're a 3 and D wing. And I was like, okay, we're going to give you, like, two, three possessions a game where you create. And then it was like, okay, now we're going to give you five or six. And they brought him along very gradually. And when he didn't have it rolling, like, they still had veteran guys to lean on, right? But um, I, I think this is a totally different scenario where it's like, the Spurs also didn't give up their future to go get fucking Kawhi Leonard they drafted him they traded George Hill for the 15th pick shout out uh the Indiana Pacers thank you for not ever pairing prime Kawhi with prime PG there um but like this is not the same thing this is like hey we traded our future for Don Mitchell we need to come and this is like this is why I also did not understand the reaction to them just getting destroyed by the Knicks last year where it was like oh they're a young team like first time in the playoffs this is a good experience I'm like no dude like you don't get to Nobody was sitting there after the Timberwolves lost in the first round and was like, wow, what a great experience for Anthony Edwards. It was like, oh my God, this trade is a disaster. And I just don't understand how, like, I'm not saying this trade is a disaster yet for Cleveland. There's a, a lot of season to be played left. And obviously, Darius Garland's really good. Jared Allen, even though the Brights are too late for him, uh, he's a good player. Like, they are. And, and even Levert, like, Levert's a good bench player. So they have, like, they're going to be better than what we saw tonight. But they can't be like they need to compete. Let's be real. This is like you have Mitchell expires in 2025. That contract, um, like sooner or later, like he can say what he wants. I don't think anybody really believes that he loves Cleveland or loves being there, and that's okay. But like, guess what? Like part of the reason that they probably are not a real contender right now is that Evan Mobley is not ready for it, and Jared Allen is a limited offensive center, even though he does. 
you know, apparently, according to Cavs fans, he's a really good mid-range shooter, which who cares? <laughs> takes like fucking one mid-range shot every three games. Um, it just, I don't know. It, I, I stand by that, what I said at the time. Like, I thought, and I understood the trade way more for Cleveland than I did for Minnesota, but like, the risks were the same. And I think, unfortunately, like, they've accelerated. Like, you don't get to have the fun young player year, right? Like, I, the Thunder got really good really fast. But people forget, like, they got to have, like, a couple of, like, fun, we're just a stupid young team seasons. And that's kind of, like, why that team was so fun. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, you're in the Western Conference Finals now? Like, you're in the NBA? And that just happened organically. But this felt like, wow, we have a chance to do something, let's do it. And a lot of it, I mean, even at the time, I remember people were just talking about, like, well, this is a big bet on Mobley, right? It's like, all right, well, I don't know if he was ready for you to make that bet. Also, I do want to shout out this comment from Jason Aravalo. Uh, forgive me if I mispronounce that. Our centers look real good at the start of the season. I agree. Uh, after that Boston game, or even in that game, Hartenstein played awesome, I thought. Um, these last few games, they've probably, I mean, they've been our most consistent guys the last three games. Uh, Hartenstein tonight, I don't know what was going on with him, but he, like, like you know, like uh, the Bullfighters get the red. Like, that. it was like, that's it's like who pissed him off today and just got him? seeing red because he like he took it to Mobley in a way you don't see Hartenstein do that as like that often you probably saw those I'm just gonna I'm just gonna need him to be a little bit better on the short roll when (laughs) quickly when quickly throws a left-handed pocket pass like that that we never get to see as Knicks fans ever like fucking finish dude like make that or kick it out or do something good because i want to be able to clip that and be like wow what a pocket pass but no now i have to just ignore it on my rewatch (laughs) you can you can still highlight it just be like can you not take a really dumb float like that was the worst floater i think he's taken ever his touch was really nice tonight though by the way it was was. that's why i was like what is going on with this floater you just said but no he was he was awesome tonight i mean him and mitch like the funniest thing i could say about mitch's performance is yeah, I thought it was really funny. He didn't like jump a lot and he was still able to totally command the defense and the defensive glass. He was just like very in control. Um, I, I thought both of them played excellent and Hartenstein that second half was, he was so like ready to play Evan Mobley. He, he was definitely ready for that matchup today. Where Mitch really showed out was defense and like the fact that he only had one steal and zero blocks it doesn't a lot of deflections it does it does not come close to like identifying his impact or to capturing his impact because he was everywhere with his arms he was in every passing lane it was it was a really really good performance by him defensively and it was just an excellent defensive performance from iq i just I, that is one of the reasons I'm most excited to watch this game because he just had so many, like just him off the ball is just it's a joy to watch and I hope we get to watch it for a lot longer because he is, he, they're just like if you want to get if you want to watch NBA basketball smarter just just watch the possessions where quickly kind of comes from out of nowhere come, comes out of nowhere and he's like like they would have a corner three or they would have a layup if he doesn't stunt there. Those aren't just like, I know they're coached to do that, but pay attention to how that very infrequently happens when other people are in those spots or on the court. Well, even those when are... Grimes, like Grimes is a good defender. He's a really good, he's a better on ball defender than quickly is, but you see this stuff off ball with him where like, he's not as locked in as a guy like quickly is. Um, I well, think Hart is actually similar to quickly in the sense that I think he's a better 
off ball guy than on ball. But even then he, he can sometimes get caught like cheating down or trying to crash the glass a little too early. Um, like in terms of just timing of rotations, I think quickly is honestly one of the best I've ever seen. But I saw him live last, like when I watched, when I went to a Knicks game last year and I watched his like, I was like, I don't care what anybody says. The fact that guys shoot way worse on him actually makes sense because his closeouts and his contests on them are honestly amazing. Uh, he had one today on Struess that he had absolutely no business like running him off yep. the line. I have no idea yep. how he managed to do it, but it was an incredible one. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Brunson, Randall, more so Randall than Brunson. Like, I still just feel like I'm just going to give Brunson the benefit of the doubt and be like, I think you're, I think he, he really needed to see the ball go in from mid. Feeble legs as Austin like, Reeves. Dude, you can just be like, I'm, I'm not playing well to start the year. It's fine. <laughs> I don't need to hear about fucking FIBA legs. You're like nine years old. Shut the fuck up. Um, no, I think I think Brunson like really desperately needed to see the mid range stuff go down that he did today, or that that did today. I still feel like I don't know what it is that's starting on up. Their chemistry right now just seems really off. Um, they're like even more so than usual. I know I know I got a lot of responses like, well, I was saying like how, how so heavy they were, and a lot of people being like, well, that's how the Knicks offense is. And I'm like, dude, I get that, but even. <sighs> adjusting it's for like, like more iso heavy than usual yeah this was just like it was like crazy especially that third quarter i was like what am i watching right now um but brunson you can i feel like it's a matter of time before he's comfortable and then because he's comfortable he will just start making better decisions randall is i don't know i'm not like super concerned yet but i am i i, I don't know I, I i don't know if you listen to the pod that we dropped uh was it today? I think it dropped this morning. Um, but like I talked about this, and I found out this a little bit where I think it feels like Randall's trying to adapt his game to be more of like a playmaker early in the game. And it's, I, I don't know what it is. It feels like he's out of rhythm because of it a lot of times. And he's like, then he like, he's hunting for a shot. I mean, in the second half, he had a bunch of takes where I'm like, he had one on a fast break that actually really annoyed me because he caught the ball. Brunson fed him at the rim Three caps converged. He clearly had a pass to quickly in the corner for a three. And instead of t- like just making that pass, he tried to go at Evan Mobley. I think he might have gotten stuffed or stripped or whatever. But it's like it's one of those where, and I know it's it's kind of bullshit to be like, well, it's okay when Brunson forces it, but when Randall forces it, I have a problem. But I do think inherently there's a little bit less. Inherent Brunson's on the leeway. Yeah, I just think there's a lot less. He's performed. He's performed at the biggest, you know, biggest stage as well. Whereas, you know, Randall has yet to prove himself in those moments. So, you know, you just have that inherent trust. He did have some really terrible defensive rebounding efforts today, which also need to be highlighted. I do. I do kind of have a like a like a like a theory about Brunson. Um, I think part of the issue is that. The Knicks, at least early, I would say less so in this this game, but in the first three games, is that the Knicks are trying to um, infuse a more team style of basketball, which led to you know higher. That's why we're seeing more turnovers. But Brunson is coming off a season where his main style of basketball is like this one on one style that is clearly best for him. So we're kind of having a diverting path here of like what's best for Brunson and what the Knicks maybe think is best for the team. Um, And I think that could be kind of affecting Brunson negatively because like he obviously is a team guy and he's not 
like an eager, like I don't think he's going in there like, no, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to get mine. I think he wants to do what's best for the team too, but he just had this great season playing a certain way, this great playoff run. And now all of a sudden it's just kind of, I just feel like mentally that's kind of messing with him. You know, like he, he's not as he's trying not to be as one one-on-one heavy. He still sketches, man. He sketches, <laughs> man. He's, he's a lot of things right now, but um, I do agree he's, he's with, 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 I do agree with Jeff saying I could see that issue. Um, Hopefully it's something that resolves over the course of, you know, these early games. Um, It doesn't help that. I think that because our schedule is like, I don't know. Do you guys think our schedule is a little bit rough? Cause like, there's like a lot of back to backs. There's a lot of road games. It's our schedule to start the season is pretty insane. Let's let's put it. Yeah. Let's put it this way. If the Knicks get to play this same Cavs team tomorrow, this would be a great time for them to not play with their food. Uh, yeah. Because like, I think you have a, if they play the same Cavs lineup again tomorrow, like you have the opportunity to basically, I mean, you're on the cusp of basically winning the, the season series against a presumed, a presumed rival for seeding um, right here in the second week of the season. And I think, you know, when the schedule opened, you would have been like, if the Knicks can get a split here, you take that, right? Like, obviously, a split back-to-back against the same team, that's always one that you're just like, you'll take that right there. But you, they've got a shot here to win that. And then, like, I've, I mean, I, I know Jeff watched the Bucks game yesterday. I've watched the Bucks a few times. I'm not, they're, they're, they can, they're going to win enough games to kind of like, while they figure their shit out, just because they have Giannis and, and Dame. But like, you this is the best time to catch that team. This is the yes. absolute best time to catch that team. So as rough as the schedule has like looked on paper, and I think it's, it is rough for sure. This is an opportunity to kind of catch steal some, some yeah. And just steal some wins that maybe you wouldn't have expected to win when the schedule came out. So like if you can win tomorrow, especially, um, but like, let's say you win the next two, you're going to be four and two at, a point in the schedule where like, if I had told you before the season, we start two and four, you've probably been like, that's annoying, but I, it's fine. I get it. Like rough start. It. yeah. So, so the Knicks have a chance to kind of come out ahead, even though the schedule makers fuck them um, to go back to what you were talking about with Brunson. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I, I do think that. And th- so this is the weirdest thing with tips. If you go back basically to 2021 22 if you go back to the start of last year and you go back to the start of this year every single year the knicks have started out trying to play faster trying to play faster trying to get the ball moving get the ball moving and at some point tibbs is like i don't like how crazy this game feels like fucking ping pong to me i don't want to watch this like i I, we need to control every possession and he reverts back to just like pound 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 the rock iso iso run pick and rolls mismatch hunt whatever like it, it reverts to that. So I will believe the ball movement, all that stuff. When I see it, I will say, I do think today was the first time I thought the bench, especially specifically, I'm talking about the bench. I'm not talking about RJ with them or Brunson with them that I felt like the bench felt like they were gelling a little bit more cohesively. It still wasn't perfect or anything like that, but I think you're seeing it. You saw some good signs today. Um, and, and like, you know, look, we, we've definitely, been critical of Hart to start this year, and he hasn't started the year well. And I don't think he played a very good game today either. But this is probably the best game he's played this season. Like I think so. Like I, I think so. And he looks he looked closer today 
than he has previously in terms to me of just like how he's moving athletically. I think he moved better today than he had. He looked better crashing the glass. Yeah, crashing the glass. And just like some of his, when he was driving, I thought even when he looked out of control, his out of controlness was more under control than it has been. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought he looked better today. That helps the group. And I felt like DiVincenzo is kind of figuring out where his opportunities are, when he can look to push, when he should try to, you know, actually try to do something in the half court. Um, and again, like I just thought he had a couple of really nice sequences with quickly where you're like, those are the kind of, uh, you know, like when you have a good connection with somebody like where he just kind of, un- he understood very intuitively what he needed, like directing somebody to get an open shot for somebody else. Um, and I just thought that was like really smart play. And it's, it's kind of the thing that you, you know, oh, Villanova guys, like, you know, look, I, Brunson and, and Hart have made their fair share of your like, are you sure you went to Villanova place? Uh, but DiVincenzo today played, he, he, he made some of those plays and you're like, oh yeah, Villanova guy. He had a steal too in the fourth quarter. That was fucking awesome. Um, and he saved it underneath our, our hoop, but it was like, I think he oh, yeah. recovered on the pick and roll and they tried, I, I think it would have been the great player, the greatest player ever, Craig Porter Jr. Um, who tried to thread the needle to Mobley, but yeah, he like recovered and stole it. It was a really, really good play, but you're seeing like all the stuff with him that I think, you know, the rebounding, the shooting it will get there in terms of understanding when he should pull the trigger, his willingness to pull the trigger. Um, and the defense, like, I mean, we talked about this all summer, but like I've been probably even more happy with the defense than I could have expected this early in the season. I'm very pleased with what I've seen from him defensively. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he's um he's got he's got great like activity with his hands, he, both in passing lanes and on the ball. He's just very disruptive. Um he's surprisingly like stout in terms of he doesn't get pushed around in the mid post, even by bigger defenders, which is nice. Um, and he's a good defender, which is part of, or excuse me, a good defensive rebounder, which is a part of defense is preventing the other team from getting the ball off misses. Yeah. I mean, uh, you talked about on your pod today, Schwinn, the defense won't be an issue. It's, it's Hart, DiVincenzo quickly and RJ and Hardenstein. I mean, he had a turnover today that I thought was going to send Tibbs, you know, up the wall. Um, I mean, he was, there's nothing funnier than Hardenstein's got the turnover. They call timeout. Go Jesus to commercial. Fucking Christ. You know, you know, Mitch is back out on the court. Like you just know it. And they, they cut back from commercial and Mitch is just back out there. But, um, Jokic yeah, I mean, they, they need to get going offensively. They need to, you know, gel and that's going to take a little bit, but the defense, I mean, that, that, that lineup and just anytime those guys are on the court, good things are going to happen defensively. And it's been, it's been nice to see. Well, I think DiVincenzo communicates pretty well on defense from what I've seen. He's and even offensively, like he doesn't know where he's supposed to be all the time right now, but you can tell he's trying to like, he's talking or he's trying to figure it out. Um, And I think that's just such a huge part of defense. I think that's one of the reasons why quickly is as impactful defensively as he has been despite being an undersized or an undersized guard. I don't know how he's undersized for a guard. Um, but like even Mitch has gotten better about that, you know, communicating defensively. And I think when you have guys that are out there talking, it makes a huge difference just in terms of like getting guys to understand their rotations, where they're supposed to be and all that stuff. But um, you know, all in all, I would say like considering how 
poor the opponent was and at times how kind of poor the offensive approach was. I thought defensively, like, even though they had some moments of like, I don't care about defensive rebounding right now, for the most part, I thought they were good, like in terms of executing the rotations and stuff like that. Individual stuff we saw with Brunson, he had some, he had that one closeout on a coro in the first half that I was just like, dude, you're standing next to him. Yeah, like you're standing next to him. Can you, just, can you just put your hand up, like, please? Like, I don't, I don't know what that was, but um, as a whole, like, I thought this was probably, I don't want to say their most complete defensive game because actually their defense against the Pelicans was also really good. They just couldn't make a fucking shot. Um, I also thought their defense against the Celtics was really good. Yeah, 100, was great. 108 points against that Boston team. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I thought they played really well that night. Yeah, it's like, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's easy. It would be easy to lose focus tonight. This is like a classic NBA regular season game that you're like, oh, like we don't need to try. Like this is stupid. Nobody's playing, and you just end up in a in a kind of a a slugfest at the end for no reason. But um, their defense was their second half defense, especially like I. I you got to give Tibbs a lot of credit because his yeah, didn't like didn't like the Cavs go like like. 0 for 11 over like a three minute stretch or something like that. It was bad. It was bad. It was I mean, really Knicks, bad. I, Tibbs' halftime adjustments in this game. And, and I got to say, in general, I think his tactical adjustments defensively this year have been pretty solid through four games. Yeah. And just in general, I've, I've, I mean, this is my favorite Tom Thibodeau four game stretch of like his Knicks career. Like he's just <laughs> been, he's been fantastic, I think. Um, no complaints save not subbing Jalen Brunson out at the end of the Hawks game. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, one day, one day I'll get over that. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. But Jeff is going but, to go on a insane Thibs rant very soon. Very, very soon. Just, just, I'm just give saying, it a couple games. I'm just saying one day that's going to cost us. Like the no <laughs> offense for defense subs, it's going to cost us. And I will just like, I'll be unhinged. People will not want to watch, or they will want to watch. No, they're gonna to want to watch. They, they love watch. that. That's that's their favorite part of these shows. Yeah, I mean, I think I like that he's actually kind of experimenting with the rotation in terms of like yep. obviously he knows who the starters are, but he's trying to figure out like, okay, do I want Randall in here more with these guys? Do I want RJ in here more with these guys? Like, when do I bring in this guy? When do I bring in that guy? Um, like the minutes right now for everybody aren't going to be like, yeah, I would like if quickly played more and Hart played less, but I also think he is trying. I do think he's trying to get like, I think he's like Hart needs the minutes. Like, I think he can see that his legs aren't all the way there. And he's like, he needs the minutes. He needs legs. To feel yeah. He needs to feel this shit. He didn't play it on preseason early. Um, quickly is like his just general kind of endurance has always been ridiculous. So I don't know if he, even, yeah, I think that I, I think Tibbs is kind of like, a testament yeah. to that. Yeah, he'll just be like, no, nah, he'll fine, he'll be fine, he'll figure it out. Uh, and and to be fair to him, like he knows what quickly is in the exact role that he and in, in both the roles that he will use quickly and right off ball on ball, he knows what he is, so he doesn't need to figure anything out with him. Hart didn't play much for for the Knicks last year, right? Like whether we we disagreed with that, we would have been like, damn, it would be nice if he played Hart more, um, but he didn't. And so I think it's fair to kind of be like, okay, well see what Randall is with that bench group. How does it look when Randall's on with Hart at the three, right? Oh, I want to play RJ at the four with Hart, like, or however you want to parse that. Just figuring out that rotation, which groups work together, you know, all that stuff. I think 
takes a little bit of time, even if most of these dudes were here last year. Because as we talked about, like getting DiVincenzo means your lineups look a little different from what Tibbs has preferred to do in his career, right? He likes having two bigs on the floor at all times. And that informs a lot of his rotations consistently. This is different. So I think I've liked what I've seen from him in terms of his willingness to experiment with that. Um, And I actually think like, you know, uh, look, if you ever watch a Tom Thibodeau team and you're expecting them to like play beautiful flowing, like Spurs you know, level. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Spurs level yeah, it's, it's not going to happen, but like there was that one preseason game a couple years ago that kind of tricked us <laughs> against the wizards or something, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, but like, it's, it's okay. Like, I think these guys are figuring out their identity and I still think it, we will get that bench unit going and they're going to be super fun uh, once they kind of all get on the same page. Yeah, the beginning of the year kinks are very annoying to work out. The bench sucked at the start of last year too. It did. So. But also to your, to your point, other ways. <laughs> to your to, to what you just to, to what you just said, uh, Schwen, he's now uh, taking Brunson out earlier in the first and the third so that and he's finishing the quarters with just Randall. And so now the minutes that Randall plays with the other four bench guys is almost uh, matching the amount of time RJ plays with Hart, Hartenstein quickly and DiVincenzo. And so to me, I, I really like that. Not, not because this isn't putting down either player, but I, I never liked the whole like, oh, we've got the starting unit and the bench unit. I like the the versatility and the depth of the team. And so I don't, I don't I didn't like that RJ was just the, okay, you're going to play with the bench guy. Like Brunson could play with some of the bench guys. Randall can play with some of the bench guys. And I think Tibbs is figuring that out. And honestly, some of Randall's best minutes of the season, and, and let's be clear, he's been pretty rough this so far this season. Yeah. Some of his best minutes of the season – have come in that role where he's the lone starter with four other bench guys. He looks a lot more comfortable out there. And like, of course he always plays well with quickly, but yeah, I mean, I've just really liked that um, development from Thibodeau. That's just another thing. I think he's done really well. I think it's, Um, I think, I think it's also just because like in that, in that lineup, he has that clear cut role of like, he is the go-to guy. Like he is the one that's going to be making all the decisions, whether he's going to shoot, whether he's going to pass. Whereas when he's in those lineups with Brunson and, and RJ, it's a little bit more difficult. You know, there's like a pecking order sometimes. And, you know, one, one, one small pushback, Sam, because I don't disagree. I, I mm-hmm. agree with mostly with your, uh, what you're saying, but I do think he does respect quickly and lets quickly run the show and RJ, uh, the, at least so far this season, but this year, so, last so, year yeah, and the year yeah, before th- this season. Different. So I think, I think what I would say is Randall knows when it's his time to get usage, there's no second guessing it. So, which I think is what you're trying to say. He's not yeah. like, Oh, should Brunson have this possession? He knows it's okay for him to initiate and to drive offense. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think he like hijacks the offense, you know, like I think he actually does a good job of, even though he's quote unquote the clear number one in that unit of being like, okay, quickly, like you're running the show. I trust you. Okay, RJ, we're going to run pistol. Like <laughs> I, I actually, I, those are some of my favorite Randall minutes in how he approaches the game and how he processes. Like, I think he plays those minutes really well. And I, I've been impressed. Yeah, I mean, I think quickly does a better job of just like setting up Randall. Um, like that three at the end of the third quarter, I don't think Brunson 
makes that pass or play just because like that's not it's it just not how he's kind of geared like he he wouldn't he would run that play to get a mismatch for himself and cook that's what he would do which is fine he's very good at that by the way um but by the way uh jeff i, I did want to say we did have a request for serial killer out analogies um so running running lemonade stands <laughs> um <laughs> and i i think this is a good question because i'm not sure how i feel about this uh is this a good get right game for randall i think he definitely treated it like that i will say like randall definitely thought this is a great opportunity for him to get right he was you know what this, you know what, the, you know what this reminded me of this reminded me of for randall specifically it reminded me of watching a one seed play the 16 seed in the ncaa tournament like everything randall did well tonight he did it well because he was just bigger and stronger than the opponent. Like he, he but took Dean, Dean Wade in the low. Really yeah, D, <laughs> Dean Wade's going to have nightmares. Like he was just, he, he was anytime he saw Dean Wade on him, he was just throwing his shoulder into him and like, cool. I like that. He did that. I like that. He, that was aggressive, but to Brian's question, I don't think you can view it as a get right game because this isn't like a sustainable strategy long-term other. That's not, that's not something you can just do against most other teams. So like, I appreciate that he and probably Tibbs because I think Randall more than anyone is elevated by Tibbs and the coaching staff, like putting good scouting reports in his head. Um, I appreciate that. They were like, dude, no one can guard you. Just do whatever they do, whatever you have to do to get within five feet. But in terms of like getting right long-term, I think we need to see him do the other stuff that, that made him so impactful offensively last season before we say, okay, this is a get right game. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think I'm watching a player who's trying to like change. Like it feels like he wants to play a little bit more inside this year, but I also think part of that is because he's trying to be more of a playmaker. And I don't, no, like it's it's really hard in the middle of this especially right now four games in the season to say like this is bad or this is good or like is this him adjusting or is this he's or is he going to play like this because this is just what he will do when he's attempting to be more of a playmaker i don't know we need to evaluate that over time um but but it is nice to see like when he like it is good that he just has matchups and there will be other matchups like this around the league where it's just like he probably walks onto the floor and is just like this guy is defending me like really this fucking guy looks like he can't even bench 350 17,000 times like i can uh like no he was an absolute monster today and uh physically anyway didn't love the decision making all the time i thought he was definitely forcing some shots up because he just wanted to score today, um, which whatever. But like, man, he is, he's got to be one of the top five most physical covers in the league. There's no way anybody enjoys defending that dude for a game. For sure. <clears throat> oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's a great reference. Shout out Berlizzi, one of my favorite YouTubers out there. Um, we got a question from El Faro over here. Why do we think he left IQ on the bench for long stretches? I truly believe it's because he thinks there are other players that he's more worried about getting going right now. Like, I think Makes he sense. kind of implicitly under, I, I think w when he talks about 
you know, he loves quickly and he loves what he brings to the team and blah, blah, blah. A lot of people think that's like, he's just saying that shit. And I'm like, dude, if he doesn't like him, he, he wouldn't say any of that. Like we, we saw the Why shit about Obi. We, well, he, we saw the shit he'd say about Obi. He'd just be like, yeah, I love, uh, you know, his fucking, you know, motor. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> the stuff I love about Obi. I love the way he just stands in the corner when I tell him to stand in the corner. Um, but like, but like you could, I, I think he's definitely genuine about that. And I do think he trusts quickly pretty significantly, but like he needs to get Josh Hart going. I think he, we saw Brunson and Randall the first two games of the, or the first, they had two really bad games in the first three of the season offensively. Um, even the Atlanta game, I know they obviously, obviously put up 122. Brunson went off from three and Randall almost had a triple double, but like I, I did it's feel like I was like, well, it was also like Brunson was hot from three, but all of his stuff when he like when he put the ball on the floor, he did not have a very good game. Um, and I thought Randall was like, yeah, he had whatever it was, 17, 12, and nine or whatever. But like it's very hard to watch that game and be like, man, what a complete what a, like what a virtuoso performance from Randall or something. It was not that. Um, but this was, you know, this was them kind of maybe easing into it, getting some points up, feeling better about themselves. Um, and I do think Tibbs is trying to get them going. I don't know about like the, I don't know if Tibbs cares about like the emotional side of like, I just need this. He needs to feel good about himself, but I do think Tibbs cares about like, no, I got to get Randall and Brunson going. And the only way to do that is play them 9,000 minutes. Same with Hart. I mean, Hart, he, he needs to get going. They really need his heartness um, that he has not brought to the table so far this season. And weirdly, like, I, I don't think he's been bad. I don't, I don't think he's been bad in the sense of like, he's mailing it in effort wise or something. He just, has been kind of like a half. He doesn't step look himself. Slow. Yeah, he like, seems like a half step slow with a lot of things. Um, I mean, my answer is going to piss Schwinn off because I heard him rant about it in a post game a few uh, a few days a uh, week or so ago, throwing shade at me. But uh, the answer is that with the way Tibbs rotates, it's just really easy for quickly to not play a lot of minutes, um, because quickly doesn't come in until the three or four minute mark of each half. So there's only like 16 minutes available to him in the half. And for him to play more minutes, he basically has to play a 16 minute stretch in the half because Tibbs doesn't sub a bench guy out and then sub him back in in the same And that's half. usually what ends up happening. Right. Um, yeah. Like when he's playing well, Tibbs just says, Hey, yeah, play 16 straight minutes. But tonight in the first half quickly was one for five in the first half and had a turnover and yeah. look, his defense was good, but his shot wasn't falling. He took a, he took a couple of not so great shots and after nine minutes, Thibodeau wanted to get other guys back in and he wanted to get Grimes back in. He wanted to get RJ back in. He wanted to get Brunson back in and quickly wasn't the guy he wanted to keep on the cart court. He wanted to keep Josh Hart on the court for whatever I, reason. I, I think that was a matchup thing. And I, I think he did in his head. He was like, I need size on the floor for like mm-hmm. to come back. And then that's why I think the second half rotation was different. And quite frankly, like, I mean, we've talked about this, we'll probably continue to talk about this, but like, I still think the guy that's going to end up really on the short end of the stick when a push comes to shove is Grimes. Like, if we're going to be real about Grimes, he's not had a good start to the season. I think he's got, like, we can keep saying, like, guys got to pass to him and guys got to find him. And I agree they do. But he had, there was that possession today. He got a kick out from Brunson. He pump fakes, gives it back to Brunson. Mm-hmm. Brunson drives again, kicks it out to him. And Grimes, he 
pumps again, drives, and then by that time they call an offensive three seconds, and it's like, put up the fucking shot, dude. Like, put like you your also, point guard has to the that, twice. You also had that one possession where I forgot who it was. I think he Mitchell. dropped like Max Struess or was Mitchell. it Mitchell? It was Mitchell? He dropped Mitchell, had the open <laughs> shot, and absolutely rushed the hell out of it. It's like my guy, relax. Like you even, have time. Even the take he, he had to the rim in transition was like, like I'm happy he finished it, but it was so unconfident. Like scared. Yeah, it was so unconfident. I'm like, look like me out there. Like I don't think it's a coincidence. By the way, after that uh, that possession where he pumped fake twice on a three and they got a three second violation because of it, that the next possession down they ran something for him to get a shot in the corner and he was like super tightly contested. And he just put it up anyway because I bet you Tibbs was standing there in the corner like. Quentin, fucking shoot them all. Like, you, like what, the, the two things that piss Tibbs off more than anything are pump faking on like open shots. Like, he gets so mad about that. And the other thing is defensive rebounding. Uh, the two things that will drive him nuts is are those two things. I guess uh, you could throw in a third for the tie uh, turnovers. Turnovers drive him nuts. Depends on who's throwing the turnovers, though. No, I think it drives him nuts anyway. He just. He just it's easier for him to call a timeout and express it when it's like quickly or heart and sign. I think I, I, I'm starting to get a little worried, slightly worried, like one, two percent worried that Grimes might just not be the personality type to want to shoot 10 threes in a game like he should be shooting like somebody needs to be in his ear and just being like, dude, you got to shoot every time the ball touches your hands like JJ Redick. Yeah, but like, I mean, Sam, we joked about in the preseason. He spent hours with JJ Redick practicing things that were never going to matter for pin his NBA season. Stuff. He's like, oh, coming off pin downs. Yeah, I'm way better at shooting those. Great, man. Wait, so, you don't, so this is where I, I actually disagree with this in the sense of like, I think if Grimes was confidently pulling on these threes he's getting and he was hitting at a consistent clip, I mean, I'm sure his percentage is still really good for the season from three. Um, but like if he was hitting consistently, I think Tibbs would start to give a little bit more for him. I'm not saying he's going to like have like, you know, dedicated two minute stretches to like, let's get Grimes going. But I do think he would yeah, mix in some, some JJ Reddick and Kyle Korver yeah. pin downs for him. <laughs> well, I, I do think he would run something for him. But we like Tibbs is the kind of coach where it's like he has to see it. You have yeah. to show him and then he'll be like, okay, now I can give you this, which is like why I think the stuff with quickly a lot of times has been annoying to fans, but eventually Tibbs usually does like get there, right? He's like, okay, fine. I'll give him the ball. Okay, fine. I'll use him in these type of lineups. Okay, fine. I'll use him with Brunson. Like he finally gets there because quickly like usually figures it out. And then Tibbs is like, Oh, the net rating is actually really good. This is great. Um, <laughs> but like Grimes, I don't know what's going on with him right now throughout the year, but it's like, I, this, I, think this guy, I think it's immense. Do you remember he did he had a quote during training camp where he was talking about like how the coaching staff is always telling him to keep shooting, you know, just shoot every time. And he was like, I just gotta do it. And I'm like, okay, if they're telling you this every fucking day, then you gotta just got gotta start doing it. Sometimes it takes guys it, it can take dudes quite a bit of time though. Like if you look at the best example of this to me, look at Derek White. Derek White. And I mean, I, I think I'm sure you guys maybe remember this from a few of their games during their run to the finals a couple of years ago. But like Jeff Van Gundy talked about like 
he's coached him, I think, with Team USA because I think uh, Derek White was on like the select team or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's talked about it, and he was like, he would say on the broadcast, like his coaches are like they seem to believe in him as a shooter, as a scorer, whatever, more than he believes in himself at times. And like even with Boston, you could see at the end of that final when they went to the finals, like. He was a basket case by the end of that series. Even though he was shooting, he shot well in like the first few rounds and he just turned into a basket case. And that can happen. We've seen this with Quickly at times too, right? Where he loses confidence in his shot. And like, I mean, I think Quickly is always going to be more geared to shoot the ball than Grimes is. But like Grimes, maybe just, it might take some time. Like it, it took Derek White a long fucking time and he's getting coached by Greg Popovich. You know what I mean? Like it took him a while to, to be as confident as he is now pulling on threes. So I think this is a process and it's early in the season. And I'm pretty sure when I did my predictions thread, I said Quentin Grimes' three-point attempt rate would pick up like end of November, early December. I still feel pretty good about that because I think that is kind of when uh, the team as a collective will gel, which uh, is the question from Hawkeye420. Looking at the schedule, how long do you all think it takes for the team to click properly? What do you guys think? Schwinn, can I say one more thing about Grimes before we hop into this next question? Nope, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, one thing that i think is hurting just the consistency of his minutes as well to go along with everything you said is that for some odd reason grime seems least likely of any nick player aside from like the obvious ones like randall mitch and hardenstein to play out of the position that tibbs has designed for him so like so so like in my opinion, Grimes would have more accessible minutes if Tibbs saw him as a potential three next to Brunson and Quickly, for example, which is a lineup that's been proven to work, but we haven't seen in this regular season once yet. Um, or actually, we did. We saw it down the stretch of the Boston game. Um, but we've seen it very limited. Uh, and and for- we saw this in one of our big – I mean, the game that basically clinched us the play- a playoff seed last year was that final regular season game against the Heat. Yep. And the lineup that they closed with was like it was, it was quick. Uh, it was quickly. It was Grimes, R.J. Hart. And I think Hart. it was Hartenstein. It doesn't matter. One of the centers, right? Um, and like, so even to your point, even if to, it's not even so much to the positions to me as much as like we haven't seen him. We've seen. I feel like we've seen all the other guys in all the combinations that are available to you. Basically it might not be as many minutes as you want to see. It might not be. I, I like this one more than one, but I think you've seen all of the, we've not seen the grimes at the three. Like, we haven't seen much of that at all. And it, the weirdest thing about that is you could argue one of the reasons the Knicks got their season together last year was how good that bench unit got, especially that trio of like when grimes was in the bench and it was quickly deuce grimes. Those three were awesome together, and obviously Grimes is a three in that lineup. So, like, it's a little weird that he's – so, I mean, it probably signals that, like, I would guess that he was a very big proponent of them getting Josh Hart. Like, he was – and, I like, obviously we already knew that he loved Josh Hart, but I'm sure that he was like, we need another wing because yeah. Grimes is not a good enough rebounder. That's I, I guarantee you that's the reasoning behind, behind but I But I also think this goes this goes both ways in the sense of – we saw, like I, like I just said earlier, we, we saw that Tibbs wanted to close a game, the Boston game, with Brunson, Quickly, and Grimes on the court. So I, I, I reject the premise that maybe I 
put forward that Tibbs just refuses to play Grimes at the three. I think Grimes is just the one who really has to force Tibbs's hand and he hasn't done it yet. And I think the second that Grimes plays a game that's good enough that allows him to play minutes with like Tibbs is just wants him out there with uh, Brunson and quickly or Brunson and DiVincenzo or quickly and DiVincenzo and Grimes gets those extra minutes at small forward. I think that'll be really helpful to him and it'll be really helpful to the team because it'll just add to our, our potential versatility of our lineup combinations. Yeah. I mean, and, and to your point, this is a good part here by El uh, Farrell. I'm pretty sure this is Fazl from discord. Uh, the game hasn't slowed down for Grimes yet. Hopefully that comes with games. I agree. The game has not slowed down for him. He still looks like his feet are, uh, I don't know if anybody watched Monday Night Football yesterday, but if you want to see what it looks like uh, when you're nervous in the pocket, just watch Jimmy G. Um, like Grimes has Jimmy G feet a little bit sometimes. And I think that's why, like, I don't know why he was in such a rush to take that three after he like dropped Donovan Mitchell. I, I don't even, I'm not even sure how he dropped him. He didn't even put the ball it's in the floor. Feet. Oh, is that feet, good? Yeah. Nice. Good, good pro move, Quentin. Um, but like, yeah, he, he's just got to, like, to your point about taking it, you've got to play with confidence, and you've got to be willing to just keep shooting. I, even I mean, Derek Rose has talked about this, right? I think he – I don't remember when it was. It was at the start of the 2021-22 season, and obviously we know quickly got off to, like, a really bad shooting start that year. Um, and I remember they asked him about something like, about quickly struggling and Grimes struggling and if he had told him anything. And he was like – He's like, yeah, look, it sucks when you're missing shots, but you're never going to like get into a rhythm and find yourself if you don't keep shooting. You have to keep shooting. That's the like, that's the only way it's going to turn around is if you keep shooting. And I feel like with Grimes, sometimes he's doesn't have that confidence yet, where it's like, oh my god, and and maybe he's he's justifiably feels this way, where it's like, oh my god, if I miss like, if I I miss my last one, if I miss one more, is he going to pull me? Like maybe that's in there in the back of his head, but. Um, and like, I know people will say that this is a sign of like bad Tibbs coaching and a, a drawback of his. I think it's just, it's at this point, it just is Tibbs is our coach and this is how he is. So you need to get guys that can deal with that and won't have that in the back of their head. And like, like we sit here, we've, we've talked about RJ shot selection for years now. Right. But the one that you could definitely not say about RJ, I promise you never in his life has he been worried about like if I miss this shot, will Tibbs take me out of the game? Probably because he's never worried about that ever, ever in his life. He's probably never worried about like, am I going to get pulled? Or I mean, he's probably never thought he's going to miss a shot. So that's like, like that's the kind of confidence you need sometimes. And Brunson obviously has that confidence. Randall, for better or worse, has that confidence. Um, and I think quickly, I, I wouldn't say he's at the level of those guys where it's like this supreme, unshakable level, but. He is obviously a lot more confident offensively than Grimes is. And you can see it like more so than the shooting. I think you see when Grimes puts the ball on the floor, his handle, you know, we heard it like, oh, he's worked, he's worked on it all summer. He's excited. I'm watching him. I'm like, if I was Thibodeau, I wouldn't be running fucking shit for you in a pick and roll either. Do we think like, that because of the way that teams responded to how he played last year, that, this is the why this is the well, I can't even speak anymore. That is the reason why he's the way he is right now. Like, do we think because like teams are running him off the line last year and stuff like that? Like he is just like so like timid in taking 
his shots like he's only worried about just taking shots and like that is why he's the way he is with his shooting do we think that's why I, I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry. Who are I, I like just sort of got lost in who are we talking about here? Grimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um I think that's a reason like yeah, I I just think I, I my number one reason for Grimes being a bit gun shy is I just think he sees himself as more. Even if you know it's not running pick and roll, which I agree with I agree with Schwinn, he hasn't, you know, shown he can do like there could be, you know, a, a bigger arsenal to the types of shots he gets, the way he gets his shots that allows him to get into the paint every once in a while. And so in his head, he's trying to maximize the few chances he gets and show off the wide array of skills that he thinks he has. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, I found myself becoming like a, a Tibbs sycophant this year. But like I, I have a hard time. Like I don't. I don't think you're doing this, but I have a hard time getting too upset with like whatever Grimes's role is when you see possessions like we saw today, where I'm like, you passed up on two, three set up for you by your point guard. Like if you're not gonna pull that, then I don't know that a coach can like trust you in this moment in time. I'm not saying I'm not saying forever, by the way. Just want to be very clear. At this moment in time, um, that you're going to get it done. And and to be fair to Grimes, I also think more more than Tibbs. I think his biggest thing that he struggles with is like, oh, I'm on the floor with Brunson and Randall. Having that confidence to just like, even if you're like, I, there's a difference between being wide open and being just like in rhythm, right? He's, he'll pull the trigger if he's wide open. When it's just a, in rhythm shop, but the guy's closing out to him, that's when you see him pass up, right? And he needs to have the confidence and maybe teammates need to give it to him, the coaches need to give it to him, you know, as much as they can. And it's a gradual process, but he needs to have the confidence to just catch that shit and, and put it up. And don't worry who you're on the floor with. Don't worry if it's fucking Brunson or Randall or whatever. Like, get your shots up when you can get them up. Because I promise you one thing, you're not going to get too many of them, buddy. Um, this is from Jordan Bub. Mitchell Robinson had a higher usage than Quentin Grimes tonight. Robinson shot four or four on four putback layups. That should tell you all you need to know. Need to get him involved. I agree they need to get him involved, but I also think part of that is just on him. And like, you know, when I see like, I don't remember who it was. I really don't. I remember listening to something, and it was kind of like when Quickly had that awesome game in his final preseason performance in his rookie year. And uh, somebody was like, I forgot who it was again, but somebody said like the difference between quick and Frank, it was that, I mean, great rule. Well, now we know there's a lot of differences between them, uh, but like one of the differences between them, but they were like, somebody was like, sometimes you got to take your chance. Like it may not be fair. It might suck that it's one chance, but like when you get your chance, you got to take it. And that's, and then, like you got to give your coach no reason or no excuse not to play you. And like, I think quickly he's done that at several points in his career where it's like, he like, he kind of, I don't want to say he can't be denied, right? Like Tibbs has to keep playing him. He has to increase his role, whatever. Grimes has not done that yet. Uh, and certainly not offensively. And it's funny. Like we've talked, we talked about this a bunch last year, but like for as much like 
credence is, as is given to Tibbs is like he's this no nonsense. If you don't play defense, you won't play for him type of coach. Like, I don't think that's accurate at all. I actually think guys that play like cowards offensively piss him off way more than guys that are bad defenders. Um, because he'll always bet that like my defensive scheme can fix this guy defensively. Whereas I think offensively, he's just like, why wouldn't you take that open shot? And that just drives him nuts. Um, and Grimes just has to kind of, I don't I don't think he's in the doghouse or anything like that, but he does need to earn that trust from him. He needs to show like, hey, you can count on me that if I get a kick out with seven seconds left, I'm not going to, you know, pump fake and then throw a grenade to somebody. I'm going to take the shot. And so like that, that's up to him to do for sure. I saw this other comment that we didn't really, well, we were about to address, not the hardened one, um, the schedule thing. Um, how long oh, yeah. do we think it's going to take for them to click? I was looking at the schedule. Um, there is a favorable stretch, I would say, in our in in my opinion. Um, November fifteenth, we play the Hawks. November seventeenth, we play the Wizards. November eighteenth, we play the Hornets. November twentieth, we play the Wolves. I feel like that's a pretty good stretch for this team to really start gaining some footing. Like those are some favorable matchups. I feel, um, especially seeing the way that the wizards perform and the way that the hornets get killed on the glass um i just feel like those are some 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 matchups that we should look at to to you know maybe this team really starts to find themselves a little bit more you know what i find weird about the like just the schedule this year or the league this year is that like i guess maybe i'm more pessimistic than most people but like there I'm aren't too, there aren't too many games in my opinion, this season where it's just like, oh yeah, that's going to be a win. You know, like uh, I think that was Schwinn's point when he was like, this is going to be the easiest win the Knicks have on paper this entire season. Like the Knicks were just, there's a lot of parody in the league and, you know, uh, like even. Have you seen the Wizards play? I have, but <laughs> I, I, I agree the Wizards are bad, but I'm just saying that like, would it shock you if Kuzma and Poole come into MSG and, and start hitting shots? Like, I don't, no, I don't know. Of course not. Wouldn't, of course wouldn't not, shock but... me. I, look, I'm not saying they shouldn't. They'll be. You heard it here you know, first. They'll, they'll be seven to 10 fa- point favorites against the Wizards at home. But I'm just saying that there were games, you know, years ago where it was just like, oh, okay, nice. Get right. Get, like, this is, this is a win, you know, and I don't, I don't see too many of those on the schedule this year. I just think. Honestly, I think it's a good time to have Tom Thibodeau as your head coach because you fall asleep at the wrong stretch and you could really hurt your season and, you know, say what you want about Tibbs, but I trust him more than just about any coach to make sure that the team is ready to play as often as they can be across an 82-game season. Uh, I would say, looking at the schedule, Seventeen to eighteen, uh, I would say after around game sixteen, you can even say game twenty. Let's say game twenty. I think that is when I would expect the Knicks to be good. By the way, we have a fucking ten day break between December first and December eleventh. Yeah, the uh, the mid season tournament playoffs. Oh, 
Okay. So like depending on if, if we like get in, we can have hopefully a game scheduled in between hopefully, then. Hopefully we don't get in. That'd be cool. Um you don't want, I guess I, I guess I, we I, should I wanna I wanna I wanna I wanna win, dude. Embrace it. Embrace embrace well, embrace I it. I also you don't want I the guess, official NBA Commissioner's Cup, the first well, inaugural I, 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 one. I guess you also have to root for wins because they count your regular season records. So yeah, benefit you really. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, so let's call it before that December first draft. That's about game nineteen. Uh, game they have a pretty brutal stretch in the middle here. I mean, at least one I think is kind of brutal. Uh, they go at Timberwolves, Heat visit them, Suns visit them, and then they they get Hornets, Pistons at home. And then they have a back-to-back or a home-and-home with the Raptors uh, on December 1st, December 11th. But, like, I feel like that after that Suns game, which is November 26th, that is when I would start to expect them to kind of, like, if they're not clicking within the next three or four games after that, I would be pretty concerned. I think Tibbs' teams generally have taken about 20 games to kind of find themselves and for him to figure some shit out and make the right adjustments. Um, we've actually seen this each of the first three seats. Like, it, I think what we we traded for Derrick Rose and put him in the rotation 25 games in in 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. The year after that, I think he made the lineup change either after game 18 or game 19. Without Alex yeah, not a successful move. But we will not revisit that ever, ever again. Uh, and then last year, obviously, we know the changes that were made. Oh, the post games that year. Yeah, after, after 10 and 13. So, like, he tends to make a move around that. 20-ish game mark. Um, I don't know if he's going to have to with this one. It might just be a matter of him settling Jericho on. Jericho Sims. Yeah, Jericho at the floor. Uh, Jeff's favorite adjustment. That's <laughs> Sam, Sam, we actively decided to talk more about this team in like the most miserable stretch of Tibbs's era. <laughs> like we made that's the active the decision. Game. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the uh, – it's – when you're miserable, you need to like talk it out, you know. Yeah, it's uh, the therapy sessions. So yeah, I, I would say 20-ish games in. It feels like that's that's the, fair. Uh, and like, what? Who do you play around then? The Raptors. Raptors are pretty. Yeah, the Raptors bad. are the 20th game of the season. Yeah, they're pretty bad this year. Like they're probably gonna beat us up still, but like they're still pretty bad. They are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. They still play like the most fucking juvenile delinquents ever. It's it's very like just aggressive prison yeah prison ball like felony prison ball, ball. but the thing there? is is that they match like oh god it's so annoying they match like prison ball on defense with anytime somebody touches you exaggerate the contact like siakam flails at <laughs> every siakam flails and screams every single time it's so unreal ah. it's like how can how is nobody pointed out to the league the hypocrisy <laughs> of their strategies like like i just don't get it like say to a ref hey they're bullying us on every single play. Okay, so you have to have a consistent whistle. If you're not going to call fouls there, then you can't fall for Siakam's acting. Like, it's just – it's – oh, my God. I know they're yeah. going to play a game. I know they're going to play a game that's going to annoy the shit. I mean, they'll probably, they'll probably win the season series against the Knicks again just because they're, like, our <laughs> bogey team. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's that's around when I would expect them to, to get it going. Uh, that's fair. I guess I, I would like to do this. Uh, what do you think? This is from Jordan Bubb. What do you think of the Harden trade in general? I thought it was nothing burger because it will get them extra wins in regular season for the Clippers, but can it work in the postseason? I kind of think they had to do it. Like, I don't know what they were going to do otherwise. And if you weren't going to blow it up, 
then I, I don't know how you could convince yourself that if you stood pat, that team was a contender. I don't know if this makes them a contender, but I think they needed, if you, if you, once you decide to keep Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you had to do something. And you have to go uh, all in. I, mean, I would have done the Drew trade about them. I would have traded both first that they had available to trade to get Drew. I think that would have been a better move, but um, they didn't. Harden's the guy they've clearly kind of had an, an eye on and they did get it done. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the original sin is still uh, throwing bad money after good in this instance. Um, I also, I, I think it for them, it's like, like Sean said, they had to do it. I think the best part about it is that they were able to keep guys like man and Powell for some sort of depth, um, whatever they have left. I mean, they kind of just go 10 deep at this point, which I think is pretty standard. So it's like I, I saw a bunch of people saying like, oh, what's going to happen if Kawhi and Paul George go down? Well, I mean, it's going to be the same thing regardless. I mean, like yeah. was was Covington and Batum really going to make the difference if those guys went down and they were still there? Like, I just don't see it. Like, if you're going to have those guys, you have to go all in and you have to pre- you got to push all you got to push all your ships in. That's such a that's such a great point, Sam. And I feel like it's something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And I think Rob Polinka has done an excellent job of rebounding from the disastrous rust trade back in um, 2021. But the whole reason for the rust trade, like people forget that the Lakers won the title in 2020. Um, and then probably, or would it were, were betting favorites against a really good Suns team that could have titled up to one before Anthony Davis got hurt. And they had a great core like that they could have kept they like they could have kept around lebron and davis like they had it was basically a better version of the core they have right now like they had kuzma they had caruso they had contavious caldwell pope like they had a really good core and they basically just gave it all away for russell westbrook and the whole logic behind it was well what if lebron or ad get hurt I got news for you. If LeBron or AD get hurt, you're fucked. Like you're not winning because Russell Westbrook is on the team now. So uh, building for those scenarios is irrelevant. Just build for the scenarios where LeBron and AD are healthy and playing well. They had a really good team under that paradigm. Keep that team. Um, Same goes for this Clippers team. I actually don't think the Clippers gave away that much depth. I think they're fine. I'm not saying the Sixers did a bad job. I'm going to wait and see what Maury has in store next. I also think that the pick they got is going to end up an incredibly valuable valuable pick. Not that the Sixers fans really care about that because they want Joel Embiid to win a championship in Philadelphia. So I think the Clippers had to make the trade. I think it was a good trade for them. I don't think they're going to win the championship. I don't. I just don't Harden actually played fine in the playoffs last year. People forget that he won a game in Boston without Embiid. Like I don't get why Embiid is the one who keeps getting the passes when, and Harden's like Harden's earned his feathers. It's like a playoff underachiever. That's fine. But he was good in the playoffs last year and he was not the reason they lost in uh, seven games against Philadelphia, in my opinion. Uh, So anyways, so just, can I just read this real quick? Totally. Yeah, it. When Tristan Thompson addressed the media yesterday, he shut down any rebounding comparisons between himself and Josh Hart, saying me and Josh Hart rebounding wise. No, that's like a fillet and a sirloin steak. After the Knicks blowout win over Thompson, the Cavaliers, Josh Hart was asked about the Cavs using their round one loss 
as motivation for tonight's game. We don't really care. We're just sirloin steaks. Good stuff, Josh. Good stuff, Josh Hart. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. I don't know why that Kardashian sex toy keeps talking like he's a good basketball player. <laughs> the Kardashian sex toy. Maybe the That's most pretty disgusting. That's pretty good, Sam. Such a gross-sounding description of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so you were saying, but like the, the only thing, though, is like the Harden thing is – yeah, if you just zoom out and look at the numbers, they're fine. You got to go game by game in that series, though. And then, like, he just fucking no-shows game six and seven. And at the end of the day, like, this is just every fucking... Like, anytime this guy's on the precipice of something, he has some crazy meltdown. And at some point, if it fucking keeps happening, it's not luck. And I don't want to hear about how you're the greatest scorer of all time. Fuck off. Like, you're not. Um, you are a fucking shit stain on the sport of basketball. And I hate everything about how he's played the game. And I hope him no success. Um, but I do hope that he enjoys being home in L.A. because everybody deserves to enjoy life. Other than the Miami Heat. Including shit stains on the sport of basketball. They what, about Al Horford? <laughs> what about Al Horford? Al Horford is not a human being. Schwinn, my dad saw me browsing Twitter like uh so i watch i i watch wednesday games at a bar because uh i do this like trivia night thing so whatever we were we were at a bar and my dad saw me browsing twitter for the uh the hawks game and uh oh wait no the hawks game wasn't wednesday i was at the same bar because those games were blacked out so i'm browsing twitter and you tweet uh you tweeted uh if one more nick pump fakes on a three i'm gonna like commit whatever that that word is you're like you're gonna lose it and my dad was like oh my god who is that i'm gonna do the same thing i can't stand this and so and so and he doesn't like i i doubt he knows what you were talking like what that word was but he was just like so on board and so now every single time the knicks pass on a three he's like jeffrey Tell that guy. Tell that twin guy. I'm in, I'm with him. We're like we got we got to we got to do something about this. I, so. I said that we should all take a shot. We should play a drinking game where every time somebody, That's what somebody was, pump yeah. fakes, we take a shot. I mean, we would have fucking died. Yeah, um, <laughs> would have been fun, but we would have died. Take a shot for that, and take a shot every time Divincenzo misses a layup. Oh God, no, Jesus! At least he didn't he didn't take one today, right? So nope. that's good. Uh, yeah, I think I just the one angle about this trade that I think is really funny is I kept seeing all of this like, oh, like Philly's in such a good position now. They restocked the asset war chest or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> how is it that when every other team gets some type of protected dog shit first, it's this asset that has real in value. war chest. Yeah, and, and then when we do it, it's like, oh, well, the Knicks have these four protected first, but actually none of them count because uh, fucking... Leon Rose doesn't talk to the media. I'm like, is that all correlated? Like, are those things correlated? But no, I, I just, I just, that part of it was so infuriating. So I'm like, he effectively, if you really think about this, Daryl Morey has, he wasted two years with Harden only to end back ultimately with basically the same lineup, more or less, that they had before that. <laughs> and with like worse assets so like credit for drafting maxi you get credit for that and i did like the melting trade but like 
some of the stuff with them, I'm like, look, I actually think their team is going to be pretty solid this year. And I, you know, just getting guys that can play basketball works in a lot of ways. If you have Joel and Marcus Maxie, Morris. Yeah, except Marcus. Well, he's not going to play. Um, and and like Tyrese Maxey, if the leap he's making is really a leap, or if it's just a blip, we'll see. Um, but like, there's no world where this team is a contender right now. And I'm sorry, like, oh, oh, he could go get Zach Levine now. I'm like, okay, like, Ooh. like I, I, would, I, 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 would, I would rather have, I would rather have, I, I would rather have OG for them, honestly. I agree. As crazy as that sounds. Well, like, they, look, I, I know that they have the space now where they could theoretically be able to get both um, yeah. in the offseason. They have the type of space where it's possible for that to be uh, with the realm of possibility. But, like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, I don't know why we keep assuming that, like, Daryl Morey is going to make it happen. Because all he's really done in Philly is, like, bring back a bunch of dudes from Houston who he had to salary dump basically in a year. Um, sure. And then, did you know that? Did you know that Yvonne Rodriguez, Pudge, and David Ortiz are both Hall of Famers? Yvonne Rodriguez and and David Ortiz. Did, yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't know that. Do you know why they're both Hall of Famers? While Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds aren't Hall of Famers, despite all four doing steroids, because two danced for the media and two didn't. The media's yeah. already made their hand very clear. Like I don't get why they still get any respect at all. If you dance for them, if you give them the access that they think they're entitled to deserve. They will forever fillet you. They will. <laughs> and yeah. if you're Leon Rose and you play this game, he is basically like not in quality. He is basically Barry Bonds right now. Like Barry Bonds was the worst guy to deal with by the media. They hated him. And Bonds is like, whatever, fuck it. I'm too good. I'll just keep being too good. And it cost him a hall of fame birth. He, I mean, it's ridiculous that he's on the hall of fame, but whatever. I digress. It's ridiculous that people won't give Leon Rose his like his flowers or whatever while consistently talking about Masai, Mori, these people who have been fucking up for years. And it's just like, oh, yeah, OK. So, I mean, it's just well, obvious like, if we're going to just and if you're just boiling it down to like simple stuff. Leon Rose was not he did not inherit an MVP player. He did not inherit that. He's, you know, whatever it is, he's at the same fucking level of success that Daryl Morey has had. The, the high watermark of what the Knicks have achieved is the same high watermark that the Philadelphia Sixers have achieved under Daryl Morey. That's okay? wild so, like, to think about. That's it, so it, it, wild. This, like when you actually sit he's back not, and, and, I, and I actually think, like, I love the Melton trade when they made it. I love it even more now. Obviously, Melton's awesome. But, like, that's his best move. That is his best move. And like maybe his second best move will be signing Kelly Oubre to the minimum. I don't agree because I think if you suck playing with Steph Curry, you just suck at basketball. Um, but for right now, at the vet minimum, and look, at the vet minimum, it's probably worth it, right? Kelly Oubre is a vet, at the vet min, fine. But like if those are your big moves, those are your best moves, unequivocal best moves. I don't know what to tell you. Like, and yeah, you could tell me the Harden move was good in real time and oh, Ben Simmons sucks and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But like, Nah, man, Ben's that's back. Ben, that's that's <laughs> right. Ben's back. Ben's back. <laughs> yeah, dude, he had points yesterday. He's back, dude. He had like uh, he had like he had like eight, ten, and eleven. I I wasn't joking. I actually think he's kind of back. <laughs> I think he, I think he's back when he doesn't play with Nick Claxton, which is a funny yes, thing to great about. point. Yeah, he does um, need he needs the four plus one. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I think that trade is kind of to me like. Okay, cool. Like, 
if any, the, the big winner of that trade is Tyrese Maxey. Because Tyrese Maxey can now just move on with his life and not have to worry about and like, what if James probably, Harden comes back. And probably start thinking about, hey, maybe I'm having an all-star birth this year. Uh, this is from JK. Did did Maury draft Maxey? Yes, he did. So those are, sorry, those are the three good things he did. Draft Maxey, trade for Melton, and uh, if you want to throw it in there, sign uh, Kelly Oubre. Sign Kelly Oubre for the minimum. <laughs> Uh, my guess, favorite guess, my favorite thing is on twitter when kelly Oubre is having a good game everyone's oh like god. how did the sixers get him for this much oh my yeah. god is kelly Oubre always been this good yeah and everyone's like yeah been this, yeah he's and always like, been this good trust me just and i'm like oh guys just wait just wait till you guys get the full kelly Oubre experience the human yeah i mean look bias, human biases are like crazy like the Derrick Rose, the Derrick Rose Barstool thing is just like another example. <laughs> so many. By the way, he's so out knees are fried. With, yeah, he's already out tomorrow with knee soreness. His so, knees are fried. They played him. He, he has no juice left. He can't sustain it. We saw this last. We seen this. We saw this the last two years. Wait, which is why what do you so mean funny. sustain? What he's been bad this year. No, no, no. no. What I'm saying is, sustain like, he had a couple of nice years. performances in preseason, right? Like, whatever, whatever. That's it was. fine, but he's been awful in the regular right. season. That post but, was bull. I'm agreeing with you. What I'm saying is like they posted that after he had one decent game. It was like 16 points on 14 shots that he put up, right? <laughs> and like I was like, I don't care about this because I know no matter how like if he plays three good games, five good games, ten, seven good games, ten good games, I know at the end of it, uh it's what it's what my man says in uh in Doctor Strange, the bill comes due. The bill comes due. Like Shout his body cannot, or to to reference Top Gun, your what does he say? Like your body's writing, like you're you're writing checks that your body can't cash. <laughs> like you're, that's you're, what it is. Your your mouth your mouth your mouth's writing checks that your body yeah. can't cash. Yeah, that's what it is. But like he can't. He I knew it did. I was like it didn't matter to me. I was like he could have dropped like ninety in a preseason game without any misses, and I'd have been like. Yeah, that's cool, dude. Within like a month, this guy's gonna be done. He's done. And I, it is what it is. So, like, um, we saw this last two years, right? He'd start off, he'd be like, oh, look, he looks like he still has juice. And by the end of like whatever that stretch is, he's just like, can't move. He's like a zombie. And then he's out for the rest of the season, basically. So, um, yeah, to, to, I, I will say, I think the other, that like, if you wanna say which team won this Harden trade, kind of like this trade for OKC. I did like them getting that swap. I'm like, huh? I think I'd rather yeah. have the swap. They've got Trey, interesting swaps. Do, you remember, swap do, do you remember what you said to end the podcast, today's podcast, about Kelly Oubre? Stacy was like trying to drag it out a little bit longer, and he was like, let's talk Kelly Oubre. Do you remember <laughs> what your response was? I don't know. I think I might have said I don't ever want to talk. You about were him. like, he was like, he was like, so does Kelly Oubre interest you? And you were like, no, fuck that guy. He could average 50 point triple double for a whole season. And I'd still tell him he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, he, he, like, I have one simple test. There's one simple test where like the one thing that you can't, you can't do and expect me to respect you as a basketball player at the NBA level is if you lose your minutes with Steph Curry, if you lose yeah. minutes with Steph Curry, you're a bad basketball player. I don't want to hear it. Um, this speaking is from- of the Warriors, speaking of the Warriors, okay. by the way, yeah. before we get to this comment, I think they're my title favorites right now if they stay healthy. And I think I they're think... my title favorites. I think they're my title favorites because Chris Paul is actually holding the non-Steph Curry minutes afloat. 
Like they like they don't need anything else from Chris Paul. They don't need him to be a Hall of Famer. They just need someone to organize the team and not get completely blitzed when Steph Curry's off the court. And he has done a phenomenal job of that through four games. And like if if the Warriors can have their starting five, which is going to destroy every opponent, we've seen it for years now, and a bench that doesn't give it back, like I just they're gonna win they're gonna win a championship in my opinion. I, I think they need to make one move, but I really want them to go get Robert Williams. If they get Robert Williams, I think they are like they they have every kind of player type player profile whatever you want to call it that you need uh and i do think looney is looking a little bit more washed than he has in the past this year um but like if they can get robert williams and if he's healthy when they need him to be healthy which is a big if obviously both of those i would i would tend to agree with you and i do like what i've seen from kaminga and moody i think they give them yep. kind of athleticism that they need um and moody's a really good good rebounder if kaminga can just kind of like he seems focused um, this year in a way that I don't think he was last year, which has been good to see. And Kerr kind of has to lean on him this year. So there's but in, really no... in, a, in, a, in a weird way, because I know Steph Curry is like the ultimate elevator. He elevates you in like a way where you still have to do it on your own. If that makes sense. Like he's do he, he's a good passer. I'm not saying Steph's a bad passer, but he's not like a, I'm going to run pick and roll and I'm going to put you in the exact spot where you it's, can succeed. So a in a way, thing, right? Chris Paul is like a better Chris Paul is a better point guard to have with Moody and Kuminga in terms of like getting them to more consistent higher floor performances and getting that version of them. So I think that was another reason that move was just just brilliant for them. So the way it is, is like Steph opens up options that are the most loot, like valuable options available to you as a player, but you need to be like, a pretty skilled player to take advantage of those things, which is why like Draymond just absolutely monstrous when he plays with Seth. Cause it's like, once you give Draymond a numbers advantage going downhill, he will pick you apart. If you do that with Kaminga coming like Kaminga might look like Mobley where he's like, uh, uh, I don't know. What am I going to do? Like, uh, I can't, I, I have to pass here. Um, and, yep. and like with, with Chris Paul, Chris Paul is not going to open up the, this kind of like, the whole floor for you in the way that Steph possibly can, but he'll give, it's like, you have two options, right? It's like, okay, pick and pop, pick and roll. And that's about it. You, like you have two options. It makes it a lot, very fucking simple. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's the biggest thing with them is, and honestly with Boston too, unfortunately is like those teams are the two teams that I think are in the contender level that still have the assets and the scope to make more trades in season and add to their kind of like roster. So that's, that's the big thing for me, why I like both those teams, but I do like golden state in the West. The only thing is I will say, man, that nuggets starting lineup. I know their bench is not good, but that starting lineup Starting up is OP. Fucking, yeah, it is. They're a monster. They have crazy the, chemistry the, the, together. So. The, the reason that well, Denver golden state would be an amazing series for a number of reasons. Um, it, the, 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 the discourse about Jokic's defense would end up annoying me. Just because, like, oh man, his his defense has almost become like underrated. Like he's a he's not a good defender, but like with how good his hands are, um, his defense isn't as bad as people think it is. And Steph just is like the ultimate. I know how to exploit Jokic. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, <Bless> Jesus. <laughs> um, Steph is Steph is like the ultimate like. 
he can just exploit Jokic, the the things Jokic does worse defensively. And the Nuggets are kind of well equipped to stop the Warriors' main offense already. So Kerr is going to be like, oh yeah, let's just run a bunch of pick and roll with Steph Curry and Jokic can't do anything about it. Like, so, but yeah, that's, that series would be amazing. And I do agree that Denver, Denver could beat Golden State just because of how potent their, uh, their, their starting five is. Yeah. Jokic also good at basketball. Good player. Um, he's another guy, by the way, if you lose your Jokic minutes, you're out of here, bro. Um, like if he Ricky makes Jackson Michael Porter. Lost the- <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., let me tell you, Michael Porter Jr. should thank his lucky stars against Spoke Nikola Jokic. Um what about Kassan- what about what about Schwinn the uh the guy that uh what it what was the quote? It was this is who everybody this is who y'all think Emmanuel quickly is. What about him? He oh, did God. he did he did well with Jokic. <laughs> Bones yeah, that, Island. <laughs> that was when I immediately was like, nah, not too sure about this guy. The Nuggets like, hate him. They're, they're, I'm telling you, they're, the two players in the league that I've determined that if you suck with them, I'm out on you, are Steph and Jokic. Uh, you just can't do it. All right, this one is from Prashanta Adhikari. Uh, trading Harden for this stuff is what a tanking team would do. They didn't get a single tangible player that moves yeah. the needle this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the argument I've kept seeing is like, well, <laughs> they'll make a move, right? And I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh, and I'm like, okay, but like, who and and it's like okay, but like if it is Zach Levine, right? If that's the big needle, it's gonna be someone from the Bulls. Piece. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I mean, I like Levine. I think he's a good player, but is that? Yeah, like you're better than Boston now. I don't think so. You're better than Milwaukee. I don't know. I mean, I've yet to see Joel Embiid play like a functional human being in the second round. So um, I'll have to hold out for saying that. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think this trade return is that good. And also, like, can we just talk about how two weeks ago it was like, oh, Daryl Morey will not do this trade without Terrence Mann. He has to have Terrence Mann or else he won't do this trade. And then he fucking did the trade without Terrence Mann because the Harden situation was so untenable. Uh, Also, like, as much as I hate James Harden, his ability to get everything he wants is pretty amazing. It's, yeah, it's it's unrivaled. Like, it's just every year. It's basically the... uh... Like it's like if the Tobias from Arrested Development meme, meme, but they just did it over and over again for the same episode. Like four different teams have been like, "Well, it didn't work for them, but let's let's trade more stuff for James Harden and see if it works out." And he just keeps getting to play where he wants to play. It's wild. <laughs> Shout out to him. Shout out to him. Jalen uh, Jalen Suggs is so awesome. Like ho- yeah. holy shit. <laughs> It, him, it, Tibbs probably would like. Tibbs would love him. He uh, really yeah. would love him. He'd be like, oh, <laughs> I mean, he might, he might like fall out of love with Josh Hart. Though. That would be sad. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about this one? It's from Dirty Dancer. Is Zach or Demar really that much better than Tobias? I don't think so. I Not think really. Zach. Is, I think Zach is. I don't oh, think Demar okay. is. Zach is, but I do think Tobias does something. Finding a four yep. is not that easy. Like, especially for what they need next to Embiid. And I think Tobias has a lot of value. People have gotten so confused with like Tobias's contract versus Tobias Harris, the actual player. Um, Tobias Harris, the player, is a good player. He's gonna be a player. He's not Zach Levine, but I also think like 
what are you going to do? Tr- try to get Pat Williams in the deal so he can give you seven and two or whatever the fuck he does. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's tough. And they did give up Tucker in this trade, which like I'm sure they wanted to do financially. But I, I do think that's like a kind of an underrated loss, at least in terms of the regular season, just getting bodies. I know they got they got Covington back in this deal, right? And Batum. Batum can still play a little bit. I still tend to think Covington's probably washed. I don't know. Um, And to your point, Tobias has also proven that he can, he can create his impact as very, very firmly the third or fourth option, which is an underrated thing. Like people just think it's, it's not NBA 2K. You get, you sign Zach Levine. This has an effect on either Levine's role, on Maxi's role, on Embiid's role. For all of we this. know, we know. So, so to your point, Schwinn, if a hundred percent of Tobias Harris means still getting the absolute ceiling from both Maxi and Embiid, whereas a hundred percent of Zach Levine infringes on the ceilings of Maxi and Embiid because Levine needs the ball in his hands, it's actually possible that Tobias Harris would be a bigger positive for the Sixers than. Zach Levine. I still don't think so, but I, I would be open to that idea, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's also like, again, it depends on what the rest of the roster looks like and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I will, like, I, I do think, like, he had to do something that the Harden thing was just not tenable. I just kind of struggled to give him too much credit where I'm like, all right, so you made a trade that you were forced to make and you got a middling return to be the, the to be kind of like quite frank about it but um you know i think you're seeing these markets for some of these stars especially older stars come down from what they were that durant trade was like the high water mark of this stuff right where you're like oh gotta give up everything and we go up bridges and cam johnson too and it's like i mean we'll see maybe the suns maybe they surprise me and win it all i don't think so but um mm, not with yeah. that hospital duo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get to see Bradley Beal play basketball at some point this year. That'll be cool. Dude, his uh, back, it sounds like it's so bad. Like they're saying like he barely he can barely walk and stuff like that. And like his shooting motion looks weird and stuff. Like why do they keep haven't they been listing him day to day? They said like now he's he has no timetable to return. Him and Devin Booker, they both have no timetable to return. Awesome. They should just keep that's a disaster they're... right there. Yeah. You're putting a lot. This is like what happened to Katie in Brooklyn, right? When like yes, he, he, he was by himself. With yeah. Jeff Green and and whoever else was there, Bruce Brown. Yeah, and it was awesome. But you're also like, yeah, you're gonna like get injured for sure. You're gonna get gassed, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I get it. Like, I get why. Obviously, the Sixers did it, but I just struggled to like praise them too much for making a trade that. I mean, it was there, but of course, Presty found a way to get it on a trade that had draft picks. It's like, I got to do this, guys. How can I help? How can I help you make this trade? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. I think this is a good place to end as we will be back tomorrow talking more Cavs Knicks as we probably beat the shit out of the Cavs again. Um, shout out to everyone that joined us. Shout out to all the comments, keeping the conversation going. Make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe. We are on our way to 1K subs. All that you do does definitely help us out. Um, check out all the links in the description. We got links to the site, merch, Patreon, and Twitter. Make sure you're following us there and get access to Patreon. So that way you can get access to all the wonderful extra content, including Schwinn's show, Strick and Roll, as well as Jeff's NFL show with Khan, Strictly NFL. 
So if you want to get some extra access to more content from yours truly, then definitely check that out. We'll be back tomorrow. So see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.